Looking forward to carrying on our conversation through the core values. Last week we talked about living as Jesus lived. This week we get to talk about loving as Jesus loved. And, and we say, well, yeah, we all like love. Love's the easy part, is it? Is it? <laughs> Loving like Jesus loves isn't always easy. So let's dive in a little bit today. There's a guy named Maximilian Kolb back in World War II. He was a Polish monk, and he was an ardent, ardently against the Nazi regime. Uh, he, he spoke out against them, their violence and what they stood for. He, he hid away Jews in, in his monastery and in the basement uh, to keep them from being persecuted and being thrown into concentration camps. But at some point, he got caught, and they placed him in Auschwitz prison camp. I've been there a couple times. Uh, it's something we should all see once, but I guarantee you only want to see it once. It's that sort of thing. The sadness there is palpable. One day a man ran away. He escaped from the camp and in reprisal the SS guards took 10 other people at the camp and they said, you're going to die for that one man. At that moment, one of the 10, he cried out, my family, my wife, what are we to do? Maximilian Kolb heard his cries and he stepped out and he said, take me instead. And he volunteered in this man's stead. And it is said that as they marched these ten away to be thrown into a hole where they would die from starvation, that he led them in prayer and singing along the way. In fact, the guards would talk about for the next two, three weeks as they went through this horrible ordeal. They, they would look in and they constantly saw Maximilian in the center of a prayer circle praying blessings over them, encouraging the men, telling them that we can do this, we can make it. One of the SS guards just noted one day, he said this about Maximilian Colby, he said, this priest is really a great man. We've never seen anything like him. What is it about when we see the genuine love of Christ in action, put on display, that causes awe? What is it about that love that we are astonished about, amazed? What is unique about this sort of love that's so different? from what the world is accustomed to seeing. Jesus would tell his disciples one night in John chapter 13, we've talked about these verses before, but he would remind them, he'd say, a new command I give you, love one another. How many of you know, though, at this point in the Bible, this is not the first time we've talked about loving one another? You know what I mean? Love your neighbor is a pretty big part of the Old Testament. So what is it that's so unique, so different about this sort of love that Jesus would say, it's a new command that I give you. Well, he would tell us, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This love would be demonstrated on a cross as an example for us to take up our cross and follow him. It was a sacrificial Self-giving love. And when the world sees it, they stand in awe in its presence. 
what would he go on to say? He said, by this, this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's by this love they will know you are my disciples. Not by your knowledge. Not by the things you do. You say, well, can't they be loving? Yes, we can do things with a heart of love, and when we do that, we put the love of Christ on display for all to see. But did you know you can be doing the right things with a bad attitude? For the wrong reasons or the wrong motives? Consistently throughout Scripture, it tells us, check your heart. While we look on the outside, it is God who looks at the heart And you've got to wrestle with the difficult question, are you a loving person? When others see you, when they listen to your conversations, how you engage the community and those around you, do they see the love of Christ put on display for all to see? But we need to take a step back real quick and remember something. See, Jesus is talking to a group of disciples. He's not giving a speech. He's not out in public. They're in a room. This is the night Jesus is to be arrested and tried. He's giving some final instructions to his disciple. He has them huddled around him in this room. And he says to them, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love what? One another. What do we learn from this? Don't try to pretend you love out there if you don't love in here. Don't try to fake what this is to take out there. There's a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. Do you love Jesus' family, his church, the people who bear his name? We have no business pretending to be Jesus' people out there if we can't do it in here. Love one another as I have loved you. Last week, our core value we talked about was live as Jesus lives. And I'll say, we live as Jesus lives so that we can this week's love as Jesus loves. And notice in there, I don't say live as Jesus lived or love as Jesus loved. Jesus is still alive. The grave is empty. He resurrected from the dead. We say we live as Jesus lives because he is alive in those who call themselves born-again children of God. We live as Jesus lives. I love this quote from the, the village, M. Night Shyamalan, many of you know that. Edwin, Edward Walker, kind of the guy in charge, he, he had this to say. It was so amazing. He said, the world moves for love. It kneels before it in awe. When people see the genuine love of Christ put on display, living in and through us, they are astonished at something that is so different from what the world has to give. They are amazed, but not everybody is amazed. Some are amazed in a good way. Some are amazed distastefully. I'll tell you a great example of it. This is Julian, the the apostate. He was actually, uh, he was a Caesar right after Constantine. But he had this to say. He wasn't a big fan of Christians. He said, these impious Galileans, that's a name for Christians, not only feed their own, but ours also welcoming them with their agape, that means love. 
they attract them as children are attracted with cakes. While the pagan priests neglect the poor. Did you catch this? He's like, our priests are out there neglecting the poor. And while they're, they're doing that, the Galileans devote themselves to work at charity. And by a display of false compassion, his opinion, have established and given effect to their pernicious errors. Some practice is common among them, and it causes contempt for our gods. The very life lived out by these Christians in charity and in love and in helping others caused the people in Rome to hate their Roman gods and turn to Jesus. That's the unique love of Christ. But he's not the only one. Another governor would write to Caesar in the second century. He would say the Galileans, again those Christians, has also begin their so-called love feasts or hospitality or service of tables for which they have many ways of carrying it out and hence call it by many names. And the result is they have led very many to atheism. Now that was a different word back in that time. Atheism in the Roman Empire meant you turned somebody away from Roman gods to something else. They called you an atheist. And what they're saying is, again, that charity, that love, that feeding the poor, being hospitable, when people see the love of Christ in action, They're leading others astray. They're turning them to Jesus. Another governor would complain because it was normal back in Roman cities to take unwanted babies out to the outskirts of town and just leave them there to die. And the Christians were known to go get those babies, take them in, and they started orphanages. And, and, and then those same Christians would go and find the sick as plagues would come through and they would start hospitals and they would care for those sort of people. They, there are stories in the Bible of the widows that they are caring for and how they loved them and how they fed them. And, and, and everywhere they went, the Christian church was known for putting the love of Christ on display for all to see. Not trying to, not making a big deal of it, but when the world saw this very unique love in action, it was so different from what they are accustomed to that it caught their attention. And I wonder if we have the same opportunity as well. When the world saw it, they said, who are these people? Why would they even do these sorts of things? And so now in the service, I'd I'd like to do something a little different, and I'd like to just take a hard right turn, if I could, and talk about some practical things, because you know what? It's, It's one thing to talk about being loving. I mean, if I sit up here and I go, hey, we should be loving, most people nod their heads. I mean, if I sit up here and go, hey, let's just be hateful, awful people, I don't usually get people going, yeah, pastor, preach it, you know, on that. We all agree we need to be loving. But what about the difficult kind of love? And we've said it time and time again, I want Radiant to be a blessing in their community. I want us to be known by our love. What would that look like? How can we step into that? See, we've talked about it before, head, heart to what? Hands. It's not enough to just have it up here or here. You've got to put it into action. And so we're looking for some ways at Radiant Church to take this love of Christ, and try to find out what does, our, what does our community need and how can we step into that? 
So let me tell you a few things we're working on. And they're big. And I want you to know they're big. But I also want you to know this, because some of these might even seem impossible at first. But if we sit up here and we try to cast a vision that we can do on our own, it is not a God-sized dream. Any dream that we should cast, any vision we should send out, needs to be one where we say, I cannot do this. It is not by my strength and my will. Only if Jesus and the Holy Spirit works in a mighty way can we accomplish that. Amen? Amen. Y'all awake out there? Amen? Amen? All right. I'm from the South. You can talk to me, all right? They do that down there. So what are some things we can do? It's no secret here in Ankeny or in Pleasant Hill or throughout the entire country that we've been in a child care crisis for years. Whether that's workers or just facilities available or places to go, uh, for the average place around here in Ankeny, often you have an eight to nine month waiting list to get into a good child care center. We know that. We've known for some time. But at some point, you have to wrestle with the do we have an obligation as a church to step into that, to do something about that? Not only that, add to it our passion, you know. We say kids are a big deal. That's kind of our slogan in kids' ministry. And we are passionate about providing a biblical worldview to children as soon as possible. Why? Because the best time to learn about Jesus is a young age. What would it look like to not only provide some childcare, but also provide the ability to talk to kids and teach them about Jesus Christ? Because we don't do anything at Radiant Church that does not have a biblical worldview behind it. So I believe it is time to step into this childcare conversation. And one of the easiest ways, it's not easy at all, uh, but probably the, the fastest way we could get into it will be to modify our Pleasant Hill facility and try to start one at some time in the next year. Here's the problem, though. I can't run a daycare. In fact, let's be really honest with each other. I shouldn't run a daycare. Not a chance that I should be anywhere near that thing, okay? At no point did God ever call me into children's ministry. I can promise you that. But the need's there. We're looking for an owner. I don't know what else to call it. Somebody who says, I'm going to own this thing. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to march it forward. It's going to be a special person with leadership skills and a heart. And I don't know what it looks like. You say, I've got a million questions. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I don't have it all figured out. Like, is, is this us starting our own 501c3? Or, or is this someone coming in saying, I'm going to handle anything. I really just want to rent your facility on that. We could go either way with that. But I know that any initiative at Radiant Church has to have a strong leader at the helm or we don't do it. And I'm looking for that person. If that's you, let's talk in the next two or three weeks, okay? But maybe you're like, that ain't me. But man, I, I, could, I wouldn't mind being hired as a child care worker. I love kids. I have a passion for kids. I'd love to be a part of their lives. And I'm like, well, we need to hear from you too on this. We're going to need all sorts of people. And if you're looking for a group of people that got their act together and got it all figured out, go call someone else because it ain't us. <laughs> like We're, we're, we're going to build this airplane in flight. But we're going to obey the Lord.
and it's time to step into this conversation. The next one we've already taken some steps forward with in the last year, and that is that more and more we realize there's a mental health crisis in the United States, and whatever problem we had pre-COVID has only been exasperated by COVID exponentially, and Don Gilbert's not here, but he'll, he'll tell you, man, uh, his phone rings off the hook, and they're on a waiting list for clients, and I'm not just taking, talking about counseling, again, a biblical worldview. I'm talking about how can we provide space for people to receive Christian counseling, because you know what? There are some counselors out there in the world that have some real garbage to say. How can we provide a biblical worldview and let people know there's hope and healing through Jesus, help them to understand who they were created to be and why they were created, and help them to live out a life with purpose and passion? So a year ago, Don Gilbert and I just happened to be in coffee, and he mentioned how much trouble he was trying to open an office on the east side, and I'm like, well, I've got a 10,500-square-foot building sitting over there that the lights are out six days of the week. And so about a year ago, we began New Life Counseling in Pleasant Hill. And they've taken a wing of our building over there, and Don's looking to expand that and looking for counselors on that. My point, though, also with Ankeny is this. Whatever we launch at Pleasant Hill, we're launching at Ankeny at some point. So we're going to learn it there because we have the facilities there to learn it for now. When we move this campus, daycare center is on our mind. Counseling center is on our mind. Wellsprings of Freedom having an office is on our mind. We want to love both communities. Another one we're diving in, Pastor Ben's really kind of diving into this one, is to provide child mentoring. We realize there's a lot of kids out there that don't have parents, dad left, mom's gone, whatever it may be, or they have other struggles in life they're walking through, and they're lonely. So let me ask you this. You got an hour a week for a kid? One hour. That's all I'm asking to maybe meet them at school and spend an hour lunch with them, just talk. You don't have to have some kind of crazy knowledge. Most of these kids just need someone to listen to them, to love on them, to show they care. Pastor Ben was introducing me to the lady, and, and, and she was talking. She's like, well, there's one school in particular that we'd like to, that we'd like to launch it in an Ankeny, but we're not really finding any takers on it. And she mentioned the school, and I'm like, well, that one happens to be about a half mile from my house. In fact, in a minute, we'll learn as we tell our story, we're crossing guards for that school. And then she said, well, you know, that's not there. We're really having a hard time on the east side finding people for schools there. And I'm like, well, that's funny. We've got a campus sitting over there. And I wonder if God isn't opening doors for, for people to say, you know what? I got an hour. I can sit and talk to a kid. I can help mentor them and guide them. If that's something you're interested in a bit, Ben's going to have opportunities for you to speak into that or, or just say, hey, I'd, I'd like to learn some more about that. Another one, we're engaging. We're partnering alongside Table Church. If you're not familiar, Table Church is a church we helped plant here in the Des Moines area uh, right before covid They've got a couple of people trained in hospice care, and they've asked if we wouldn't be willing to step into that. And I can't think of something more glorious and wonderful to do. 
What would it be to provide dignity and respect and care and love for somebody in the final stages of their life? For a lot of these people, they're lonely. They're hurting. As a church, can we step into that? Is that something we can do? To have a group of people that just spend a little bit of time with them at a critical moment in their life and give them the respect and dignity they need the peace and the love and the care. We're going to step into that in the next year as well. And we're looking for ways to expand. We've been involved with food pantries for uh, five, six years now. Caring Hands in particular is one organization that we talk to quite a bit. Uh, not only that, but your tithes and your offerings help finance them. We, we send them money, but we also have volunteers that work at the food pantry. And I would be quick to just remind you, from time to time, we have to kind of throw it out there and go, would you be interested in serving at the food pantry? It might only be two or three hours a week, but in that opportunity, not only do you get to meet people, you get to hand out some food, you get to organize and help them out, but a lot of that time is just praying over somebody as well, somebody who's hurting, somebody that maybe life didn't quite turn out the way they thought. And you know what? Not everybody, when they go to a food bank, is feeling good about it. You know what I mean? It can be really awkward. And just to be a calming presence like Jesus and say, we love you and we're here for you. God bless. Is that something you'd be interested in talking through? There's a lot of ways to serve the community. Two, three years ago, Christy and I decided it was time to get serious about stepping into and, and serving the community. Mainly because, uh, you know, I'm the pastor of the church and maybe I should lead by example. I've totally heard about that. I should never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do or ask you to go somewhere I wouldn't go. And I want to tell you a few ways that Christy and I have made that journey. And they're not extraordinary. They're small things in the past two or three years. And if what you hear in this conversation is, wow, Jason and Christy are awesome, you've missed the point. This isn't yay us. This is yay God. But my point being is, if we can step into some of these things, and if we can do a couple of them, you can too. And I'm hoping maybe that opens your eyes and your ears to see the possibilities ahead of you. About three years ago, Christy had a conversation with another pastor in the area who's a crossing guard, and he just kind of mentioned, we've got a crossing guard crisis. We're having a hard time finding people to do it, and Christy's like, well, I can do it for a couple days a week. And so for a year there, she kind of did it for a couple days a week, did some substituting in various areas and so forth. By the end of that year, COVID was on us full steam. And what few workers they had were now very few workers. And that same person was coming to us and saying, listen, we really need some help. We don't have any bus drivers and we don't have any crossing guard people. And I looked at my wife. She's like, you want to help? And I'm like, well, it'll be a cold day in H-E double hockey sticks before I drive a bus with screaming kids. It wasn't your pastor's best moment. But, uh, but you know what I mean? I'm like, no, that ain't me. I'm like, but this crossing guard thing, maybe we can do it. And then we found out, actually, one of the stations that is open is in your neighborhood to that school I was telling you about. I said, okay. So we jumped in, and Christy does the morning shifts, and I do the afternoon shifts, and we just kind of trade off on that. And you say, well, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, 
I don't know, hang out with me in January when it's eight degrees out and tell me how awesome it is. I mean, it's got its moments. But during that time, we've met the kids in the neighborhood, and we know them by name. We know most of their parents. And it's in that journey of talking with the parents that I found my one, and we're going to talk about that next week. I found that person God put on my heart who is far from Christ to introduce to Jesus. Christy, just seeing an ad one day for Special Olympics, decided to jump in. She loves working with special needs children. And, um, and she did, and it's just a, it's a day every once a year, twice a year, but she's able to do that. I was sitting at a basketball meeting with my daughter, you know, one day, and the coach just kind of said at the end, he's like, we cannot find people to run the scoreboard. Uh, and, and do that sort of thing. We don't like the kids doing it. We really just need parents to do it. And as he said goodbye in the meeting, I noticed the parents heading you know, away from him, not towards him. And, and so I'm, and, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, go talk to him. And I'm like, I don't want to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, no, go talk to him. And so I go talk to him. You got to understand, this is way out of my comfort zone, way out of my comfort zone. I'm like, Okay, so you want me to run this piece of equipment I've never used before in front of 100-plus people, which, you know, the tech team does every week. But still, you know, I mean, like, you're going to go do this thing. And I did it. And you know what? I've got to meet most of the Ankeny coaches, and I've got to meet coaches from other schools as well. And then I got to meet the referees and talk to them and, and hear their heart and, and so forth. And guess what I learned from the referees? They need more referees. They ain't got enough. They're like, hey, do you want to do it? I'm like, I'm doing enough. Uh, but still, you know what I mean? Like, like, you want to do it? And they need referees. I have no idea who you need to talk to, but I'm telling you out there. And you know what? I constantly get emails from Ankeny from Pleasant Hill. We're like, we need more coaches. We need more people to jump in and help these kids. And, and I say to you, what would it look like if we had more godly men and women leading the young children in sports as coaches throughout our area? And you say, well, I don't have any kids. You don't need kids to coach a team. Just do it. There's a lot of ways. Maybe you give blood. There's, there's other areas, too. Christy goes from time to time and helps sew at, at, at show choir. I've gone and helped set up at, at marching band. And, and, and you know what? It just if you, Once you dive in and you really open your eyes and your ears and you look for things, you discover that the needs in our community are huge. There are plenty. What's it going to take to push you in? Because you never know, my friend, how your act of love and service plants seeds in others. Seeds that God can take and water and grow into abundance. So you've never been promised the harvest, but you have been called to plant seeds. Where are you planting seeds in your life? I remember one night just doing the setup and tear down for a marching band. A guy found out what I do for a living and sometimes was a little bit hostile at first, but then he just started asking questions about God and Jesus and church and this, that, and the other, and I answered him the best I could. And you know what the answer is? I don't have a story at the end of that, but I wonder often, were those seeds planted, watered? And I believe they were because I'm praying for it. You never know how your act of love can turn into an extraordinary work of God. 
Do you have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to step in where you need to step in? I believe love is powerful, more powerful than we give it credit for. And God uses our acts of love in an extraordinary way, and I end with this. You remember our our friend Maximilian Kolb, who gave his life for the other man in the concentration camp. You see, before he was a Polish monk, he was sent to start a mission in Nagasaki, Japan. And he planted a church there and an orphanage and some other works as part of the mission there. And then he was taken away to go back to Poland. I'll tell you something cool. Four years after he volunteered his life for that man, the United States dropped a nuclear bomb on Nagasaki, Japan. And all the buildings in the area around it were totaled, flattened, except one. Except one. Any guesses? While all the others fell, Maximilian's mission stood. The love of God is powerful. Shine your light. Let's pray.